Wait, I said, I said to Anthony, I think we're talking about youth basketball. You want me to mention anything? Yeah, me. <laughs> awesome. That's fantastic. Awesome. I love that kid. <laughs> Probably more than you ever realize. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay. Welcome to season one, episode five? Yes. Was that a question or a statement? Am I asking or am I telling you? <laughs> I'm well, pretty sure it's five, I yes. I think it's five. So welcome to episode five of Strongly Worded. I'm Sue O'Lear. And I'm Johnny Hampton. And we are here in our lovely dining room studio uh, with some new toys. Yes, hopefully we are getting the sound right. It's harder than it looks, right. I guess. But, so. but I got a heavy hitter coming in. Yep. Once we do this episode, I think the next one will be very good, excellent, right. professional. Maybe we'll bust into a fourth country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the downloads are slow in the Czech Republic right, <laughs> right now. Uzbekistan. <laughs> um, I have to comment, make a comment, one brief comment on last week's episode. We got a wonderful comment. Uh, and in that comment, someone made an observation that was completely true, but when you hear somebody say it about yourself, it can be a little shocking. Oh, okay. We made a lot of middle-aged references because of a comment <laughs> that I was a middle-aged white woman from the Midwest. <laughs> yes. And I was like, holy crap, I'm middle-aged, Johnny. <laughs> And then I realized, not being that far behind you in age, <laughs> that I too am middle aged. So I felt like we occasionally were making an inside joke, and I thought I should let our listeners in on it because we're all it was in a, this together. Yes, and shout out to our loyal listener who made that comment. I know, I loved it. I really <laughs> did, but I had to sit with it a minute. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are recording today. It is Halloween. Oh, happy Halloween. I got my costume picked out. That's why there's a wig hanging from, oh, the, yes, right. from the sound booth. Yes, uh, you know, we, we're going to a party tonight. Uh, in our pod, for those of you who are about to say it sounds like a super spreader event. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's not definitely a, not a super spreader right. event. It's uh, two or three small families meeting up that have been hanging out with each other for six straight months. Right. <laughs> it's not a super spreader. Do, do, do you want to tell folks what you're going to be? No, I no. Oh, well. No. I mean, they're not going to be there, so I don't even. But you don't know yet, so. Do no, you? I I thought. Do you? Did I tell you already? I thought you told me already, but now I don't remember. Good. Okay. So it'll be a we'll, surprise. We'll no. follow up next week. I'll put some pictures on the page. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also want to let you know too that by the time you're listening, we will have our private Facebook group up and running. Um, we've been teasing it and talking about it, and now I think it's time. So we will have a place to uh, go into some further discussion, bring up some new topics. Uh, we have some ideas for things coming up in the future that we would like your input on. So um, it is a private group, so what you say in the group stays in the group. Uh, you will have to request to join, and I don't know if we'll do a question. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we're going to let you in unless your name is like, Horny Mick <laughs> Dick Pants or, or you're, something. Or you're some kind of political bot. Right. We don't want, right. We don't want spam messages. Right. 
but I, I think it'll be super fun. So um, check out the Strongly Worded Pod private Facebook group. And if you have trouble finding it, just reach out and uh, we'll get you there. Um, so today's topic, we are going to begin to discuss, because I know it'll come up just based on who we are and what we do, uh, the topic of youth sports, youth sports and coaching and uh, those types of things. Oh, yeah. So what Sue and I talked about earlier this week was a lot of our topics always reflect what's going on in our real lives. And in our real lives, we're about to get started with our local league here in our city. And we're also about to get started with high school basketball tryouts. One high school, I think, already has had tryouts. But have the, they really? Yeah, I think so. But the, the high school that I coach at will be having tryouts uh, Monday and Tuesday. So we're here on Saturday, Halloween, Monday and Tuesday, right before Strongly Worded Wednesday, mm-hmm. will be the tryouts. So we thought it would be a good topic since it's forefront in our mind. Mm-hmm. I um, thought we'd just start giving a little background. I um, am the youngest of four kids. All three of my brothers were athletes, played several different sports. My dad uh, probably, I don't know if he coached. I mean, he did like Boy Scouts and stuff like that. But he, um, we were in the stands for every game. Like My brothers were primarily hockey players. So I spent a lot of time running around the ice arena, <laughs> finding things to do to occupy my time. I didn't play a sport myself. I was a dancer and an actress. And then we grew up and had kids of our own, and Joe has coached both of our kids in numerous sports. Joseph started out a soccer player. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, he started out a soccer player. That's what I thought he was going to be. He has such a beautiful gait when he runs, and he uh, would never get tired. He would never get winded. He had this endurance when he was four and five years old. He he actually still has that endurance. Yeah, I think he does too. Um, But I thought that was gonna make him a soccer player. And he enjoyed it and had fun. He just liked other sports more. But Joe, Joe has coached soccer, flag football, and basketball. Joseph's coach, first coach that was not his dad came in seventh grade when he made the middle school team. Mm. Yeah. And um, same with Karen Carolyn, spent a year playing soccer too, but we call it the season that she picked dandelions. <laughs> <laughs> she was. <laughs> <laughs> she was out there just uh she's enjoying life yeah and she ran up and down the field well she got a sport now yeah she sure does <laughs> she has a sport now mm-hmm. so this is going to shock people uh it's so funny because i've been coaching for a while and i actually had a parent one day tell me he was talking about another coach and said you can't coach from a book you got you act you, you have to actually have played my dad did not allow me to play youth sports. I didn't realize it was a situation where he didn't allow he it. He did not allow it. Why is that? Well, he, and if he was here, he would tell the story. Sometimes he feels like he regrets it a little bit, but he felt like basketball distracted him from getting good grades. And because of that distraction, he did not want that to be a distraction for me. So he would take me to the park, and but he would never sign me up for any organized sports yeah so my dad didn't want me to play high school sports he didn't want me to i didn't when i finally turned 18 i started playing in a little 
professional urban professional league in the city where he coached us and that's when he used to say oh i wish i would have let you play you could have got but you know i turned out okay so i never even thought that i would be a coach my dad played high school basketball um i have family members that have played professional basketball but i never even thought about being a coach or having anything to do with basketball until my dad fooled me into being a coach did you play any other sports I used to love baseball, um, but again, he never signed me up for Little League. And Little League was big where I was from, and Flushing Little League was big, but he never signed me up. Um, and I was athletic. If you, if people who know me know that, but he never wanted me to play. It's funny, sports are the reason my son gets good grades. Same with my son. Yeah, he absolutely would not care about school if it wasn't if it didn't allow him to play ball. I tell people all the time, if Anthony didn't know that without the grades, we wouldn't let him play basketball, I'm not sure what he would be doing in school. Mm -hmm. um, so it, you know, sports helps in that regard. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, so when I started coaching, when my dad was like, oh, you can coach, I was like, listen, you know, I never even played. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know the game, and that's what he would tell me. So it's, kind of a shock to me like we talk about all the time like I never thought that I would be coaching this long or people would think that I was good at it and stuff like that so I never coached a sports team but I have trained athletes I shouldn't say that I guess I mean I put together triathlon teams and I have coached um, obstacle course racing teams but I haven't I mean I haven't really coached a I haven't coached a basketball team but my style of coaching and training athletes was very teachy. I didn't want any of the, my clients to just do what I said. I wanted them to understand the what? why. And I, over the years working with kids in that regard, really found that when they, were, when they start out and they're younger, they're not learning the why. I mean, I've had kids that couldn't point to their bicep, and they'd been playing basketball, you know, as kids for years, things like that. And one thing that really attracted us to your style is you teach them. Yeah, I, I want to tell you why I'm telling you something. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not, if when I'm coaching basketball and I tell you to cut, I'm going to show you why, you're do, why you, I'm asking you to do that cut what it does to the offense, what it does to the opposing defense, so you know the why. If you know the why, you'll become a better player because eventually you'll do these things instinctively and know if I do this, this happens. That's exactly, I mean, that's so it. I would teach people about their musculature and really drill in form so it would become instinctual. We've had talks about what we would do if we had it to do all over again. Right. And I would really have loved to know in my 20s how educated I was going to become about fitness and nutrition in my 30s and 40s, and I would have loved to work with sports teams and strength and conditioning. I think that would have been a lot of fun, and I, that's how I look at our kids right now. I mean, I can notice when I pick up things about form or the way some kids are doing stuff. And oh, yeah, when, I, it. when my son was having trouble with his knee, you were like, oh, his gait is off. And um, 
Mm-hmm. He was and running I, on his toes. Right, because it, it hurt so much. He was having growing pains, everybody. We, we, we weren't playing him through torn ACL <laughs> or anything. He was just having growing pains, and there was nothing you could do. So, But, yeah, so that's how even just sitting in the stands at, you know, the, the rec center or I, even at the high school level, I mean, I see – I see kids not take the warm-up seriously. I see this or that, and I think, oh, from a from a fitness standpoint, there are certain things I wish I could get my hands on. It drives me crazy when kids don't take warm-up seriously. Mm-hmm. And I understand it because I used to hate to warm up or shoot around or do anything. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. But that leads to pulled muscles and injuries and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have always wanted each of my kids to have an activity didn't have to be a sport carolyn played piano for a minute um you know like i touched on before i think it helps i my belief is that it's helped my kids keep their grades up it has kept the video game situation pretty manageable um it gives them kind of a built-in set of friends a social network let's talk for a minute about why youth sports can be important and why we're involved well, the social network is absolutely dead on. If you play for a team, you have a set group of friends. You see them every week at practice, at the games. Your opponents become your friends because you see them as well. And I've had stories, you know, and you never know what a kid is going through. I had a kid um, who was on my team. And he started out slow, but me and my dad coached him up. And later on, I found out that he was having trouble making friends. And because of all the work we put in and, and, and how he fit in with the team, it turned around his whole social life. Mm-hmm. He started doing better in school. He started having more confidence. That is what youth sports can do for you when it's done the right way. Mm-hmm. We moved here at this, just before my son started his freshman year in high school, he was with the same group of friends in the same small town from kindergarten through eighth grade. Oh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. And and I'm mom saying, but look, and and he's he's shy, he's quiet. He used to be quite anxious. I think now I don't think it's anxious as much as you know he's shy like his dad. Um, but I kept saying to him, but you have ball. I mean, if we can just get to tryouts, <laughs> you know, if yeah. you can just get to tryouts, then, you know, and it'll be all right. You'll have your built-in group of friends. And he made some friends before tryouts, but we got to tryouts. And then for the very first time in his entire life, he didn't make the team. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I just <laughs> said about your life in this big transition that you supported even though you preferred to stay where we were uh just went in the pooper yeah that one that's tough um and how do you deal with that kind of disappointment when you're that young and i said i wondered if that was going to make him just throw up his hands and be like ah or if it was going to make him dig in and work harder because he is a natural athlete he has a lot of natural athletic ability and it has made the discipline of practice tough because he doesn't have to work as hard to be as good as some other kids, and we really had to work with him on that. Yeah, spoiler alert, um, he dug in. 
<laughs> he did. He dug in. <laughs> he dug in. And then the story goes that that spring, I found out about this basketball league that we're all a part of right now. And Yeah. And the main story about that is he did dig in. And my dad was the head coach of that high school division team, which had about five varsity players. And then we had five other players that we knew nothing about. Four of those players, God love them, uh, could not play major minutes because that season, that division was pretty, pretty tough. Mm -hmm. But Joseph actually popped to us at the first practice. And he was one of the only six players that we felt like we could play at any time. He was the first sub off the bench. And because he came to that league, he made some friends with people on that team, which then got them to talking about him, which I can't help but think led to him being more prepared for the next tryout and people actually taking a, a second look at him. Right. All because of a recreation league that's what that's why that happened so another aspect of that story and our topic today um is what the youth sports and these leagues do for the parents and the families because i have said a couple of times that really the upside the best part of joseph not making that team the high school team at first is because he got his family on the court but we met the people that are now our very best friends. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, the league director had sent an uh, email with a blog that said the parents become friends too. And I didn't really even think about that until uh, one day we were going to, I think it was one of Fitz's Christmas parties or something like that. And my dad said, you know, when you go to these things, it's, it's, it's not like they're just basketball people. It's like they're family. And he used to say that all the time. Like, we've become a little family. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. Um, and as families, you look out for each other's kids. And, you know, you talk about things and you hang out. And it becomes this really big social group when it's done correctly. <laughs> so we're going to get, I think, to when it's not done correctly after we finish some of this exposition, <laughs> I think, because that's the second time you've said that. Um, but it's true. I, I look at my parents, and they were boosters of every every team you know my brothers ever played on and and then the equivalent of that to every activity i ever had and their people that they're connected with on facebook now in their 80s are people from those days and their best memories that they talk about are from those those days in the in the bleach on the bleachers in the stands my brother i have they all played hockey but i also had a brother that played football and went on to play football in college and you know it was something my dad started a booster club for you know students that attended this college that were from flint michigan and And look at that i mean the the power of youth sports you know i real i realized like the full power when my dad passed away because he never coached in a high school at all okay all he did he coached he coached some aau he coached in the rec league for a decade Oh no, yeah, almost a decade. And when he passed away, there were kids that he coached that left school early. Mm-hmm. And there were kids that he coached 
that were on a rival high school team that I was coaching against that night, because yes, I did go to the game, that wore his initials on their wristbands. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment of silence for him at a high school that he never coached at. That's right. And that was just from the power of youth sports, from him being a youth coach and doing things the right way. (laughs) 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 I mean, and I say the right way, you know, I mean, there's no handbook to a lot of these things, but I have strong beliefs as a coach, as a mentor, just as a person involved in kids' lives, how you should do things. And I, my dad kind of embodied that, and I followed that, that blueprint. And I think it's the main reason why I'm coaching at the high school. It's the main reason why I'm looked at the way I am now. Our league, did your dad help create it? or did No, he it, it was already there. So part of the mission statement of the league, the focus of the mission statement of the league, as I understand it, is taking these players and teaching them and coaching them and developing them into players that can make their high school team. That is that that is actually the mission statement of the league. And, um, you know, we're in a small town, and we can talk about the politics of youth sports too. I'd love to get into that one. But we don't – I don't know if we get enough credit for the amount of – high school players that have played on each team. We have two high school teams in our area that came from that league. Right. I think people overlook that for some reason. I don't know why. Oh. But they do. I have some ideas why. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The results speak for themselves, right? They do. And so they, they're not all my results. There's multiple coaches in the league, mm-hmm. um, multiple players from multiple teams that have made it. Um, you know, and I think we we set out to do the right things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have to go back to, real quick, the story that you were telling about coming to the that big rival game that night. Yes. And the moment of silence. Right. And the wristbands. Mm. And what did your son do? Oh. <laughs> a pa- I, don't, I, have, didn't see it, I have no proof of this because oh. my wife did not tape it. But um, apparently they had a halftime shooting contest. Now, this is the day that my dad passed away. So Announced by yours truly. Did, were you yes. on the mic? I did not I was know. on the mic. I, I was, was right there. I burst into tears at center court. So I am an assistant. It's why it wasn't taped, because I wasn't in the stands <laughs> filming. Uh, I was down on the court. I am an assistant at one of the local high schools. Um, and that night that my dad passed away was the biggest game of the year. Uh, Crosstown Rivals is always packed. And I decided I would coach the game even though my dad passed away because that's what he would want me to do. That night they had a halftime shooting contest and my son, who at the time, he he was 12. Yeah, he was 12. He went and I guess signed up to do this because I was in the locker room doing halftime adjustments with the varsity team because we needed some adjustments. And apparently, my son, on his first try, made a half-court shot. And he won a Subway sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) He won a Subway sandwich. That's fantastic. But it was such, I mean, it was a beautiful shot and a beautiful moment, and a lot of tears were shed. Ebony ran down on the court and tackled (laughs) us both. And then she made fun of me for crying. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds, Sounds like her. Yeah. Yeah, so I missed that. I remember coming out of the locker room. 
and um, one of his friends and one of my friend's son came up to me as we were going to the bench and he said to me, Anthony just made an amazing shot. <laughs> and he was like, so, like, so I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I was so, I didn't, I didn't know anything had happened and we heard the cheer, uh -huh. but we didn't know what was going on out there. Yep. Cause we were down at halftime. <laughs> no, it was one of the better plays of the game. <laughs> yeah. But the JV game was awesome. Yeah. That was a tough night though. For, it was, was, it was a tough night for varsity. So, um, there are lots of ways that people get it wrong. And I think, uh, one of the things that I think is hard, both on coaches and players, and on folks in the stand is coaching from the stands. You know, I took my son to a camp. Um, the local girls coach at the local high school had a summer camp and I took him there. And I wasn't even coaching him from the stands because I try not to do that. I try to just cheer for him because I've been coaching my son since he was eight years old. So I rarely get to just watch him play as just an observer as his dad. So I took him to this camp and I just wanted to be his dad. But if you coach in a small town, everybody knows you're a coach and they come talk to you. And the girls coach said this and I always kept it in my mind. I actually told your husband this the other day. <laughs> when he was coaching from the stands? And he was coaching, yeah, he was, he was in, in the practice. I was, I, I was like, okay, coach dad. <laughs> but I don't mind that if, you know, it doesn't, none of that bothers me because I, I talk to the players and we understand what's going on. But what the girls coach told me was, when you coach from the stands and you scold a player for doing something wrong, when they get to the huddle, I can't scold them now because now I have to build them up. I can't coach them because you've already taken that from me. And I never really thought about that because like I said, I have not been in that position to do that, mm -hmm. but it makes all the sense in the world. Um, parents, man, I never knew when I'm on, so when I'm on the sideline, I'm super locked in. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I talk a little trash with the coaches or something like that <laughs> if I get upset or whatever. I sit in the best seat in the house right. too <laughs> at the table. But I don't. I often don't hear what's going on in the stands. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I don't know if they're rooting for us, against us, because I'm just so locked in on the game. It wasn't until about four years ago when we won our first 10U championship and I listened to a Facebook Live of a parent, and we were undefeated, okay? Mm -hmm. And she was just like questioning every single thing I was doing. We had not lost a game, mind you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, parents are really invested in these games. They really, really That's are. such a gentlemanly way to put it. No, I mean, they are. I mean, you know, they root hard for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I understand it. I just have to get the kids sometimes to block that out because sometimes it makes them nervous, apprehensive. Um, sometimes what a parent might say might conflict with the coach. And even though, you know, hey, co every coach has a different philosophy, you got to listen to the coach to play. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing what your mom and dad say and it's going against what the coach wants, you'll find yourself on the bench and you don't want that either. Right. I think you said it so beautifully though. And when you said if if they get scolded from the stands, then you have to take that moment to build them up. And, and right, you can't coach. Um, and see, and the thing is, so, so for me, when he said that, it made sense. But my coaching style, my coaching style, 
is not to really tear you down. Mm-hmm. It's to instruct you. Right. Okay? So if you're turning the ball over, I'm not going to yell and stop my feet or curse. I'm going to say, we don't want turnovers. And then I'm going to ask you, how many times are we going to turn over the ball? I'm going to get you to think about what you're doing. I'm not going to automatically pull you out of the game after you turn it over once mm-hmm. or take some, a bad shot once. I'm going to give you a chance to correct it. Now, this is youth basketball, okay? So it's not high-level high school we're talking about. It's not college. We're talking about kids that are 14 and under, okay? So for me, I want to teach the kids. So when they make a mistake, I'm going to correct them right there, and I'm going to give them a chance while they're on the court to show me they understand what I'm talking about, rather than sit them down for 10 minutes to watch a game. I, we grew up, our kids grew up doing a lot of upward sports. Mm. Upward was a huge thriving program in Wilson, North Carolina for flag football, for soccer, and their basketball program was actually really amazing. They had a beautiful facility at one of the churches and it was run, it was run like a high school or middle school league except that upward coaching isn't there to foster competitors necessarily. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute, these other programs and, and what they're there to do. I mean, I guess every program has its own mission statement. Um, and from, but from my point of view, basketball is basketball. You can't legislate the competitiveness out of it so I've had players that that have come from upward they don't want to play any defense because they're scared to foul Mm -hmm. because at upward they don't allow you to do that right or they don't allow you to take a certain shot or to play a certain defense that's not basketball Mm -hmm. so that to me that is not teaching sports I don't know what that's teaching um, because you can teach all the things that upward is trying to teach and still teach basketball the right way. I still teach sportsmanship. I still teach teamwork. I still teach ball movement, sharing the ball, all those things I still do without these rules to make me do it. But at the same token, you know, I kind of see why they do it because there are some coaches who are more about winning games than developing young people. And that's kind of what I want to get into. I think the overall aim of youth sports, and I, and I even think into high school. I mean, high school is more important to win games because you lose your job if you don't, especially in a small town like this. So I, I get that. But to me, you should be about developing young people first. And if you do that the right way, you win games. Mm-hmm. Some people, some coaches think about winning games first and that stunts young people's development. And when I see that, it makes me angry. Like, I, will, I never would tell a, a person, any player, that they stink or they're not going to be this. I can tell you what you can be, whatever that ceiling might be, and try to get you to reach it. I mean, I've heard stories in this town of coaches so hard on their players, the players want to quit basketball if you're doing that you're not doing it the right way i think too 
And this was a problem that I had even with Upward, even though we were a part of it for a long time, is that when you reward everybody and you take away the scoring or different things, you don't teach them how to lose. Right. And in and life, you're going to lose. You can't. There's going to be times where it's difficult. You're going to lose. You're going to get go get that go for that job you want. You're not going to get it. Uh, that job, that girl, that grade, that everything. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? And you you got to learn to deal with those things. And I feel like this effort to foster positive traits. I think removing that element of teaching them to win appropriately and lose appropriately causes a lot of toxicity. Oh, most definitely. Um, I feel as if if you don't know how to lose, then when you finally do lose, the reaction, it could even be violent. Mm -hmm. Because if you, like, you gotta learn rejection. Like, that's just life. And you gotta deal with those emotions and deal with them in a mature way, okay? And if you can't, then it's gonna lead to a problem later on down the line. So the quicker, I mean, you don't wanna do it at two or three years old, but I've I've got, I've I've had kids losing a championship game at the buzzer who was seven or eight, crying. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to them about, hey, you did the best you could, and we just didn't come out on top today. But you gotta be happy with the best that you could do. There's several other teams who could have been in this championship game. Where are they at? In the stands. So you have to be thankful for that. And if you don't learn that early, later on in life, when you get rejected, you're not going to handle it properly. Mm-hmm. There was that year, that first year Joseph played for you and your dad. Oh. That, is that the year the championship game went into three or four overtimes? Yes, and we could have swept if we won that. And do you know what Joseph remembers about those three or four overtimes? What's that? He had the opportunity opportunity to end it. Jimenez, free throw lines. Jimenez, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that game very vividly. Mm-hmm. It was a great, great. It really was. It was a great game. But the free throw line. Yeah. That, that, that's, it, that's what he hangs on to about yeah, that game. Yeah, he had a chance and Dez had a chance. Mm-hmm. And if they would have just hit one free throw, yep. we would have swept. And then the following year... I don't remember who they were playing now. I'm not like you and Joe that can oh, I got, remember all this, but he won the game at the buzzer with a three-pointer. It was the game where that big oh. kid from the opposing team fell on the other kid's head. Oh, oh you're talking about JV. Mm-hmm. I, oh, wasn't yeah. no, I wasn't in. I wasn't in. Yeah, I wasn't in. So, I yeah, I remember. Interesting I, juxtaposition. Yeah. Because Same deal. Like, they were in the third overtime. Here's the deal. You learn from these experiences. That's the whole goal, to learn from the experiences. Mm -hmm. So when you finally do overcome that obstacle, you appreciate it more. So if you get, if you lose in a championship game when you're seven or eight, like one of my young players, Jaden, and then two seasons, two years, a year later, a year and a half later, you win a championship no one was expecting. You now understand what it takes to win. And you understand that you're not going to win all the time and you appreciate it more. And if you go, if you go on a job interview and you don't get it, 
when you finally do get that job, you understand what it took to get that job, and you appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. And you can deal with rejection. And I think, so some of, these, some of these organizations take that out. And I think it actually stunts kids' development. Absolutely. I agree with that. I think, too, to build on the point you were talking about, about building, you know, good boys and girls into mm-hmm. good young men and young women. Um, I think about the kids who start playing competitively very early, play in multi- multiple leagues. Yeah. Like at that age, there's NBA dreams in those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, yes, yes, because it's so easy to make it after all. No, right. yeah, they all... But, I mean, mm-hmm. you can. You know what, exactly what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I have a lot of conversations with my kids, Joseph primarily, because Carolyn loves to play, but she doesn't love to watch as much um, about these kids who go off and sign these contracts and who's who like did they get brought up as a good human before they go and have all this opportunity you know you see the ones that blow all their money and then blow out a knee and what have they got see i I, but i think being a good human and and knowing how to manage finances are two different things yeah but i think about the people around them like if somebody is looking out for them bringing them up right I mean, it's just, it's huge and murky to me. It's So you can bring someone up right and they still feel beholden to their friends mm-hmm. and they keep friends around who may not be making the best choices. Mm-hmm. And I have that conversation with a lot of my players. You're ultimately going to be judged by the company you keep, right? And if you don't surround yourselves with, with positive people, ultimately something bad is going to happen and i've seen those situations a bunch of times i've had to deal with some of those and it's tough um you know a lot when you talk about that level though a lot of those kids are not ready for that kind of stardom at 18. not at all you can't you you, you can't it's hard to prepare for Mm -hmm. and i want to just take a step back i have a feeling for carolyn as she learns more basketball We'll want to we'll watch it more. Mm-hmm. I hope so. That's my prediction. I hope so. Mm. You experienced a Michigan football game with us last week. <laughs> Just wait until Michigan basketball season starts. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that usually happens when it's cool out, right? Yeah. So we have all the sliders open and <laughs> our neighbors know when it's game day. That's how I watch. I, I watch... Uh, Tar Heel basketball, like your husband watches Michigan football, standing up, Uh not too far from the TV, (laughs) yelling at it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we'll be March Madness friends this year. Yeah. You know, last year everything started closing down and it it was shutting down the the tournament. Fun fact about me, Johnny, I take the first two days of March Madness off from work every year. Mm -hmm. March Madness is how we started giving the kids a hooky day. Is that right? Uh-huh, because Joseph wanted to stay home and watch. <laughs> I had to take my own Big Ten day. tournament game even before that. Yeah, I had to take my own hooky day. Sorry, mom. <laughs> In high school, sorry. <laughs> but I do. It, we Joseph and I talk about things like that at length. I, I when I was in law school, I took a sports law class, and we were talking about cases involving, you know, basically breaking down the issue of whether or not college students should get to profit financially from their image from their image 
They definitely should. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how the NCAA has gotten away with that so long, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So, we'll, I mean, that's going to come to an end soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making too much money. Yeah. Too much money. I think it's another thing that this pandemic is really going to affect. That's how. I mean, the pandemic has been, especially when it comes to, to youth sports, has been so difficult because you're trying to keep the kids safe. I mean, I used to go to... <laughs> I used to go to practice with like one or two basketballs, couple of cones, that's it. Now I got a thermometer in my bag, <laughs> two things of hand sanitizer, about 13, 14 balls, because I want you all to use your own ball for your own uh, drill, you know, for the, especially for the smaller kids. So, yeah, it's like, you know, I got a whole dot like those old school doctor bags yeah. <laughs> that you're walking around with. And we were, our league was really one of the first to open up. We were. And we worked really hard and had to battle on a lot of different fronts. But to not open, we thought to some degree would be more unsafe for the kids than to open and try to manage it as best we could. So full disclosure, I am co-commissioner of the league. And I I remember when the pandemic first hit, we were all in agreement. You know, listen, we got to pause this. We're not going to play. And then I remember maybe about a month or so into it, I was talking to our league director and I was like, we just got to, you know, we, got, we just got to wait the virus out. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, when will that be? And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. So for us, we wanted to be there for the kids. And I had kids, I mean, Instagramming me, calling me, when are we going to play, please? When are we going to play? I mean, they, they were out of school since spring break. Right. They never went back. Never went back. They, 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 they left out early March mm-hmm. and never went back. And we were in July. And, you know, a lot of these kids, the league is their outlet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been called a lot of things by different organizations. But one thing we are about that these other organizations claim they're about, but I haven't seen it, is we're about community. And we wanted to be there for the kids, and we did that, and it was successful. And as soon as we did it, others followed suit. Mm-hmm. So we were actually a leader there in terms of that. I would post things. I'd, I'd post the games so my parents can see them. Or post, I posted some photos of the coaches versus kids game, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that, and I got a pretty decent amount of feedback from people who don't live in our community uh, kind of admonishing me for being but I can understand that I can understand that though but I I think so what people don't realize is that honestly we were really isolated Mm -hmm. and we've really only been hanging out with each other for six months that's really been happening like you know outside of going to work and wearing our masks and all that we've only been around each other so when we go to those parks we're around people where we know they work we know where they work we know where they've been we know we can trust them we know they've been wearing masks when they're supposed to and that's why we take those chances mm-hmm. um other people probably didn't understand that so i i, I dig it and there really isn't any judgment for those who stayed on pause either right. No, there isn't. You you have you to do, do what you're comfortable with. You have to do what you're comfortable with in that 
And I wasn't always uncomfortable with reopening. Oh, I was. Scared um, to death. Huh? I was scared to death yeah. with, with reopening. Right. But I still feel like it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. Ultimately, I think it was better for our kids. Yes. It was the right thing to do. And it was, again, we are here to serve the kids. And for me as a coach, um, ah, this is going to sound so egotistical, but I've, I've become a little popular in circles, right? Mm-hmm. So I get to talk to a lot of different people. And some of those people don't share the same ideals that I do. Some of those people are more about themselves than the kids. And so I don't align myself with those people. And I don't make any secrets about it. Now, I don't go and talk about what they do or name names. Some of them have done it. And that's the thing about youth sports, too. When you get involved in it, it's kind of like um, it's like a dirty game. Like, people are fighting for these kids' attention, it seems. You know, when I was growing up, a kid could play for several different organizations, and it was no big deal. But nowadays, it seems like they demand loyalty from a 12-year-old, which makes no sense to me. You want to play for two or three teams? Do that. You know, get as much experience as you can. The more you play, the better you get. That is the rule. The more you play, that's what me and my dad always would say. The more you play, the better you get. As long as when I'm coaching you, you listen to me and don't tell me what some other coach told you, it's fine. Other people don't believe that. Um, They think their way is the only way. And I think that hurts the community as a whole. And I've voiced that to several people, you know, but I'm just one man. <laughs> <laughs> and so that that side of youth sports, I don't like. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like the politics. I'm not a politician. Like I say, what's on my mind all the time. Um, I don't like people talking behind your back saying, oh, don't, don't do this with that guy because he's X, Y, and Z when it's not true. Those types of things I can do without. And I think it ultimately it hurts the kids because kids love all their coaches. Mm-hmm. And so, they should. So if a kid plays for three different teams, he's going to love all three of those coaches. Mm-hmm. He may not like them at times because of what they're telling them, or many might be, but he's going to like the organizations. So when you're talking trash about another organization, that kid hears it, and it makes him feel some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And if you're an adult and you're doing that, it's wrong. I learned that lesson in a tough way with my son because I was not a fan of his first JV coach. Mm. And I made the mistake of letting him know that before the season was over. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to, you can't, you can't do it. No, yeah, you, it's, I regret it. Yeah, because if you do that, it affects the way they practice, it affects the way they play. You know, I'm sure there's been times where people don't like me. Like, no. If you don't know, like, if you don't know me and you see me on the sideline, listen, I'm probably an acquired taste in that regard. <laughs> like, if you don't come to the practices and stuff like that, you may say, this guy is nuts. But, you know, you can't, if you tell you, you got to be careful. If you're going to submit your kids to coaching, you have to try to take a step back. Yep. That, you know, that's the best thing to do. <laughs> The Strongly Worded Podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Flagler County Basketball Program. For high-quality, community-based youth basketball, you don't have to look any further than the Flagler County Hurricanes. Open to young people 8 through 18. 
season starts November 7th. Sign up now at FlaglerHurricanes.com. I'm kind of going back in my head to laughing about calling Joe Coach Dad. Oh, I love it. I know, but it's you know it's tough for him right now with no, his line of work. I know, I know. He can't he, coach. I, you know, it's it, it's to my benefit though because <laughs> I get to coach all the kids, and they're pretty good. So, but no, I, and that's why. See, I I can discern uh, a parent that is just trying to help, or a parent that wants their kid to be a star. Mm-hmm. I can discern. Which one is he? He, he's trying to help. He doesn't, okay. he doesn't care. Like, you know, he just want, he wants his kids to be the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, I've been, I've been lucky. Thank goodness. Woo. Thank goodness. I've been lucky to have a lot of good parents. And they're, and they're constructive. And they try to tell their kids the right things to do to be part of the team. But you'll have parents that think their kids should be a star. Those are tough parents to deal with, mm-hmm. who compare their kids to other kids, who says, well, if this kid is getting 10 shots, why isn't my kid getting 10 shots? And that's just not how a team works. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a sc- someone who scores more or plays defense better or is a better point guard or a better shot. Like, there's always going to be that. Your kid can't be the end-all, be-all. And then a lot of people are hearing this, and they're saying, oh, but your kid is pretty good. Anthony's pretty good. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm not going to lie. It is super fun to be in the stands and be the parent of one of the kids that's good, too. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I remember more than once in the upward stands where you know people didn't know I was the coach's wife or mm. that I was Joseph's mom and you know, heard reactions in a few different ways, like, oh, that kid is good, or or Joseph was competitive. And he, you know, had some teams with other kids that went on to play varsity ball, you know, that were competitive as, as well, and would say, that kid's too aggressive, that kid's too this, that kid's too that. And I just wanted to be like, that kid's too good for this program. <laughs> Shut up. You know, I, I never get to hear a lot of that um, because I coach my son so much. Mm-hmm. But I remember Tiara came to one of the first games of the season when we did the summer. And after the game, Tiara was like, there were little people talking about Anthony. I was like, what? Tiara goes, there was a little girl. And she said, oh, number eight. That's the coach's son. He's very good. (laughs) So I I don't get to hear a lot of that. Um, I don't get to hear it as much anymore either because I sit on the other side. Yeah, you're at the table. And people know who I am too, you know, from – they know who I am too. So I don't – I'm not anonymous in the stands anymore. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot this <laughs> this season. I'm trying to tell you right now. I'm <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I was actually though. It's funny. I wanted to work in the story about almost getting in a fight. Oh, <laughs> the, if you can imagine this, the dark side of youth sports. <laughs> I am the dark side of youth. Sports. I'm going to give you guys a story of the dark side <laughs> of youth. No, I, I, <laughs> we were so full disclosure. I'm an assistant on JV and varsity at a local high school, where Sue's son was on the team last year. Uh, he was on the JV team, which I have a lot of input on, 
and we were playing a, a road game. <laughs> and during one of our timeouts, we looked up into the stands and we saw Sue about to fight. <laughs> Some lady. She was no lady. We, di <laughs> we didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. All I know is that Joseph tried to walk towards the stands and to which I replied, I think your mom can handle herself. Please sit down. I just love that he and Victor were going to walk across. Like, what were you boys going to do? I'd get thrown out the basketball game <laughs> and have us lose? But it was sweet. So, and, that, and that's what I mean by parents overzealous. Mm -hmm. Like, we were at a road game, and you guys were supporting our team. So, whatever they, I don't know what they did. I still, I don't know if I ever got the, the real story, but I know they were rude to your youngest child mm -hmm. over a basketball game. Right. So the, and, and, that, and that's, you know, I, I joked, oh, the dark side of you. But that is the dark side, isn't it? It really is. When you have a 40-something-year-old adult yelling at a 12-year-old kid that's rooting for her brother. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happened. I mean. Yeah. And it happens on the regular. You like, hear stuff like that. How? Uh -huh. I, I just don't get that. Right. Like, I'm, I don't understand that. It doesn't compute. My brain can't get there. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be yelling at a 12-year-old mm -hmm. who's rooting for her brother because that's the away team. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, like I said, they're very uh, invested. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, the, that's very the, invested. That's the word I use, invested in the game. So, you know, parents either, sometimes adults need to back off a little bit mm -hmm. just, and let the kids play and root for your team, and that's it. Joe has a T-shirt from the year he one of the years he coached Joseph in soccer. Mm. And it says, we coach, they play, you cheer. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how it should be, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm all for um, interaction with parents. I mean, I love it. I don't, I don't mind. I'll, I'll take your suggestion as long as you're ready to hear the truth. Um, I remember uh, I had a player came from upper as a matter of fact and he's one of my favorite players now like he really he's come such a long way with such hard work like if I ever have a coaching tape like he would be on it that's how how I feel about him I remember we had a game early in the season um I had to I had a kind of an, an advanced 10 and under team that had won a couple times so I was politely asked told <laughs> <laughs> that I had to move them up a division for competition reasons. And we had a game where we were struggling to score because we were playing against some older kids. Mm -hmm. And this particular kid who came from upward didn't get to play a lot in the second half. His dad came up to me after the game, and me and his dad are friends now. So this was not, it's going to sound contentious, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. He was upset that his son did not play. And he came up to me after the game like, now, this is where me and my dad differ a little bit. My dad always said, when we lose a game, don't come up to me after the game talking about your kid. I need a moment. My dad was a little bit of a sore loser. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't mind it because I know that each team I coach is going to do their best they can, whether they lose by one or 31. I know they put it all out there because that's how I coach. It's what I demand. So he came up to me, the father, and said, hey, he said, you know, I know you might not think my kid is that good yet, but, you know, he could have played 
and I, and I stopped him. I said, first of all, you will never, ever hear me say, I don't think a kid is good. I'm never going to say that. Okay? So, first of all, let's, let's get that out of the way. But then I said to him, I said, second of all, hey, we had lost the game 12 to 11. Okay? We scored 11 points <laughs> in a 32-minute running clock game. 11 points. Mm-hmm. I said to the father, right now your son is very good at defense. Do you think we needed more defense? We only gave up 12 points. Mm-hmm. I needed someone who could score. He just can't do that yet. That's not to say he won't be able to do it, because this was like the third game of the season. We got 10 games. By the 10th game, he'll be able to do it. He just can't do it now. And he understood that. You gotta, but you got to be willing, when you're dealing with youth sports and youth coaches, to hear that truth. I've told parents the truth, and they didn't listen to like, hey, your son's just not ready to do X, Y, and Z. And they say, okay, I think he is. All right, fine. I'm never going to argue with a parent either. Like, I'm not going to tell you what, if you think your kid should be playing a higher level, I will coach them the best I can mm-hmm. on that level. If you think they should be playing a lower level, I might suggest you to put them higher if they're better. But it's ultimately up to you because you are the kid's parent. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with my brother years and years ago because about the decision to not let my son play football. Mm. And he played football in middle school, high probably elementary school, middle school, high school. Crush my man's college. dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's right. You know, Joseph says I crushed his dream. I never let him I let him play flag. And he had he has good hands. He he probably would have been a decent football player. You're right cuz he Around the basket, he catches every pass. Mm-hmm. He does have good hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. And my brother, actually, one of the few times he really supported my decision because for a few reasons, but he had his own kids, his own son that he coached through a lot of different sports, and he didn't believe that the quality of the coaching mm. was there, speaking in generality in generalities but he felt like the quality of the coaching was very different than he received growing up and that was just one of the reasons why you know he supported my decision not to let him play uh, you know i think that's across all youth sports mm-hmm. now though i think the quality of coaching in general whether it's basketball football soccer you name it in general is not as good as it was when I was a kid or my dad was a kid. And and when we were younger, my brother was playing, we didn't have everybody gets a trophy coaches. Right. Right. Which so it's it's different now. It and is. and I I, I I try to figure out why that is. Like it's not just that, you know there's so some coaches just volunteer, right? And they do the best they can. And they don't want to learn anything. Okay. I have a coach that uh, me and them actually got into it on the sideline last year. <laughs> and I remind, I remind her about it every time. <laughs> she laughs. But she actually came to me during the beginning of this season and asked me if I had any pointers for her. It's very rare that a youth coach will do that mm-hmm. because the ego is so great even if they're like never played basketball, don't know anything about basketball, they think they're Phil Jackson out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the problem, though. I think 
like I said, going back to the divisiveness of uh, youth sports at times, we lack the overall community to help each other be better. And because of that, I think at times we let the kids down. So now I have a coach who I have to coach against. I, like, but I told her what I think she should be doing, mm-hmm. even if it beats me. Why? Because ultimately it's going to help the kids. Right. And that's what it's supposed to be about. All the kids. All the kids. Not just, I don't want to just help the kids that are on my teams. I want to help the kids that are on the other teams. Right. I don't like the idea of a fully packed, totally complete team coming into the league and playing in our league on their own. How do we know that they're out for the good of the league and not just the good of that team? It depends. Okay, so in our specifically, there is an organization out of Palaka that comes in place, and I love that guy. Mm-hmm. I know what he's about. He is about good grades. My son played in a tournament for that organization. He, he I needed to, he was, he only had five players, so he needed, play, he needed players. Mm-hmm. And before he would even commit to my son playing, I had to send him a progress report on my son's grades, his birth certificate so he can verify, make, the age. verify his age. And yeah, that's it. He, had, he wanted to verify that this kid was the right age and he was doing the things necessary to be able to play. Mm-hmm. That kind of guy, Okay. come on in. <laughs> come on in because we know you're not gonna cheat. Mm-hmm. And we know what you're doing is for the betterment of the kids. Other people try to skirt the rules, play all their kids at the maximum age level just to get a trophy so they can put on their mantle and say, I did it. I'm not down with that. And, you know, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just not down with that. Yep. Well, I think this is the first of probably what are going to be a lot of sports-related conversations we're going to have because... You know, our podcast does seem to reflect our life, and I think, you know, this was good exposition for a lot. I know what we're going to be talking about next week. (laughs) We can't can't avoid it, y'all. So, you know, hey, I know maybe some of you guys don't like to hear about politics, but there is an election coming up. Is there really? (laughs) The election concludes in just a couple of days. Yes. So I guess we will... It's funny, I, I have said, we've both said, this isn't a political podcast, but we're just in a political time. But according to our downloads, you guys you guys don't hate it when we talk about politics. No, I, I think because we do it in a respectful way. Um, so, but yes, we will be talking something political next episode next for sure. And we'll get... We may have to get in here early, depending on when they call the election. I think that's... A good idea. Yeah. And we've got some uh, other exciting things, I think, uh, coming into focus as we continue to get our tech situated and, and learn some of that. We've got some interesting guests lined up to come talk about some things, a couple that we're very excited about. Um, please look for our private Facebook group, the Strongly Worded Pod Facebook group. Um, again, it will be private, but not secret. So you can find it, but what we discuss stays in the group. Uh, and we would like to have you all there because we have, uh, we would like to just include you in more of the conversation. You can also find us on Facebook, or I just said that. You can also find us on Instagram at strongly worded pod, on Snapchat at strongly underscore worded, and on Twitter at strongly worded p. Strongly worded p. Uh, Johnny and I will probably be doing some live tweeting on election day if you want to check out the hashtag strongly worded pod 
or debate fly, which I can't <laughs> let go of. I can't quit it. Well, there's a meme that that that, that the uh, whole video joke video where the fly is was a robot and someone asked, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> I love it. All right, so happy Halloween. Yes, I will. I will take a picture of myself and put it on the strongly worded page so you can see what I am. So will Joe and I. You guys can vote. (laughs) Sounds good. The Strongly Worded Podcast is written and produced by Johnny Hampton and Sue O'Lear. Music production and vocals by Marshall Max Lamont Hamilton and cover art by Samantha Shakes.